Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You guys enjoy that game? Hey, 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 for those who haven't had it, all right, you got a taste right there of playoff football. I can honestly say this, in all my years of being around this game, being around what we did in the first half compared to the second half. Okay, this one goes down. This one goes down as one of the greatest, greatest, okay, greatest victories I've ever had. Hey, thanks to everybody, man. Thanks to everybody. No matter how we win, it's if we win. One week seasons from here on out. That's it, man. Go one and First time in a very long time. I was doing the math earlier. Three years, roughly. Right. Since you and I in this studio together for PFT Live. We've been on the road at the Super Bowl right. since then. We did that. We did your podcast on a Monday right. back in November yeah. on the day after a fairly memorable Vikings regular season win against the, the a Bills? team that's actually in New York. <laughs> right. Not a fake New York team. Wait, wait, not a New Jersey wait, team. Wait, is that where you're going to start? Wait, why is there such a thing with the New York-New Jersey team, right? There's a bunch of teams that don't play in their home city. I, but for, the, for some reason, the Giants and the Jets are the ones that get crapped on for that more than any. All I know is... Dallas doesn't play in Dallas. They play in New Jersey, but they play in Texas. Okay. <laughs> it's at least Texas. It's I They're not playing you. in Oklahoma. Okay, okay. That's a valid point. I'll give <laughs> okay. you that. All right. Um, and let, let me just tell you something. As we begin the show, it's PFT Live presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. We're on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports, NFL. Hello to our good friends in the U.K. and Ireland. I have been recorrected that that's the proper thing to say, not the British Isles. So we're sticking with the U.K. and Ireland podcast wherever you may be, including some other planet out there in the galaxy, up to and including Uranus. Now, <laughs> wow. what, what, happened, wow. what happened last night, I was trying to think of a way to avoid this because let me tell you something. This guy was insufferable yesterday for three hours watching the Vikings-Giants game. And I'm thinking, how can I, like, get sick? Can I, like, have a Crohn's attack? Can I not be here? Right. And as I'm getting my stuff together to leave the hotel room, 
Okay, I got a new coat for Christmas, and it's one of those like those uh, winter coats. It's like that that kind of shine, not shiny, but it's that that plasticky material. Yeah, I got you. I know. And it was on mean. the ground next to my bag. Right. I stepped on it and I busted my ass. And I mean, I went down hard. And it was one of those slow motion. And I banged my hip and I banged my knee and I hit my shoulder. And I'm thinking, Am I injured? Is this is this going to be my ticket out of having to do the show? It's my first yeah. thought: Can I actually legitimately avoid the show because I got injured? Sliding to the ground on my own coat, but I'm here. What'd you do? Why didn't you put the? What, you didn't put the coat on the couch? You no, I was getting ground? ready to leave, so I for like oh, an I idiot, like, like an idiot, the coat I bag, the and I put the coat, and I'm ready to go. And yeah. I stepped on the sleeve, and my leg just went. Don't <laughs> so. Uh, PSA: If you have one of those coats with that kind of like slippery material, don't put it on the ground. And if you do. Don't step on it. Well, it was a microcosm of uh, the weekend oh, for you, God. baby. Well, yeah. and I knew it was going to be bad yesterday when I got to the studio because one thing that I really enjoy about coming here, they got speakers outside that are playing music. So during the Christmas season, there's always great. some Christmas yes. music. It's kind of nice. Right. So as soon as I get out of the car, first thing I noticed is my shoe was untied, which I hate. I always double knot so I don't have to stop anywhere and tie my shoe. I don't want my laces touching like the – the floor at LaGuardia. I got Because you. you never know what's been there up to and including his hamburger. <laughs> but as soon as I stop to tie my shoe, I hear Mick Jagger singing, you can't always get what you want. Yeah. Oh, that son of a bitch. Yeah, oh, that's it. You this know? is it. This is it. That's it. You, it's my Look, cosmic yeah. message. It ain't happening He was today. pessimistic right from the start. I was pessim- well, no, <laughs> I was never pessimistic about yesterday. I actually thought the Vikings would win Oh, yesterday. I know you did. The ass-kicking was coming next week. Right, And right. it would have been an all-time beatdown in San Francisco, so they at least avoided that. But uh, kudos to the New York Giants. We're going to start there with the Giants getting the win. Florio, just so everybody knows, he tried to be – I was the loud, obnoxious New Yorker yesterday, or New Jersey, or okay, uh, either way, but I was. And Florio, he was calm. He sat back. He was just waiting for that moment. He was just waiting for that moment. He was just going to go, I'm going to be calm and not go crazy, and they'll take the lead late in the game, and I'll look over with my – you know, like shit eating grin yeah, that I guess. That. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you're going to look at me and go, ah, I got you. Uh, well, but it I didn't was, happen. I was telling God. James Kaminsky, cause, and it was, it was so <laughs> stressful because the game's going on. We're on the air. I'm getting ready to do a little pop on Lamar Jackson. They go to the two minute warning and say, What am I going to miss? They're driving down the field. And I was telling JK for a while, this is going to be 32 31. They're going to drive down. They're going to score a touchdown. They're going to go for two. They're going to get it. They're going to win 32 31. Because that just is on brand with everything they've done all sure, season long. That's sure. what made the ending so anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, and by the way, as Matt Casey points out, I, I almost didn't even make it here on Saturday because of a. A service animal debate that played out in real time at the gate at the Pittsburgh airport. I knew as soon as the That's woman amazing. rolled up right. in a wheelchair. You know that that airport wheelchair that isn't a real wheelchair, and it's kind of like sometimes you see people and it's like I, I don't know. Yeah, challenge so flag. Sure. You want to throw the I'm challenge flag? I'm not so flag. sure yeah. that that's needed. Right. But then comes the service dog. In her own wheelchair with her basket. Wow. Like, that doesn't really look like a service dog to me. And then I heard the thing bark and. I look. I've been traveling for a long time. Service now. dogs usually I've don't do that. I've never heard a service dog bark. Right, they don't bark. Right. And and so, as I'm sitting there, and it's a crowded gate. The flight's delayed. The the plane from JFK to Pittsburgh that was going to bring us back had the ice, so it's it's late for like an hour anyway. And the two people from the airline come out and they have this 
prolonged debate out among all the passengers about whether this is a legitimate service dog. And the woman's getting loud, and it's just getting awkward. Wow. And she, at one point, she says, all these people agree with me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get subpoenaed to testify in the eventual trial. <laughs> so then they just kind of back down and let her take the dog on wow. the plane. Wow. And I heard the dog barking. From you know how long a walk it is down the jetway when I could hear the dog barking from inside the plane outside the gate. It's like, well, I know what this is going to be, yeah. and it's another half hour, forty five minutes as they try to get the woman off the plane. I heard her screaming at one point. She was composed by the time they got her off. Okay, that's I almost good. wasn't here at all. I right. almost could have missed the whole thing. Yeah. I almost got to stay home and not have to deal with you yesterday. If that woman just could have. Just milked a little bit more out of that issue. Maybe I just would have gone home. But that, anyway. That's a crazy that story. Me. That really is. And, yeah, you were a little late for the uh, the 49er Seahawks football game. But I was but... here in time. Well, no, I wasn't here in time for kickoff. Yeah, right. You missed phone, just a few yeah. minutes, right? Yeah. No, missed I missed like minutes? a quarter. Did you I miss did. that yeah, much? I missed, yeah, I, yeah, I forgot that. Either way, good I'm weekend. i to forget all of Saturday. Good weekend. i to forget all of Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And I eventually forget Saturday. Let's talk about Sunday. Okay. Specifically around 4.30-ish. That's the time I was looking to hit on. Well, and, yeah, during the game itself, I was playing it back last night in my mind. That what what was that third and one play? The it's reverse. seven seven, right. and you know the Vikings are kind of methodically moving the ball. The Giants are much more easily than methodically moving the ball. Right, I mean, we agreed first, with that uh, as we were watching. Jason Garrett turned to me and said, "You guys can't stop anything today." <laughs> he went, "That looked awful <laughs> yeah, easy." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what what are you doing third and one, Kevin O'Connell? A great great job coaching this year. But what are you doing with this? This uh, what, what they, they they used to call. I had a basketball coach who would call it French pastry. When you try to get a little too, try to get a little too cute. Yeah, sure. Try to do a little too much. Right. You do the reverse to Justin Jefferson, who throws a forward pass back to Kirk Cousins. Right. It wasn't even a setup for a long throw right. down the Which field. Which I thought it was at first. Yeah, and then you so you give it to the to Kirk three yards behind the line of scrimmage to gain one yard. I, when that happened, I'm like. You know, there's always five or six moments in a game that you can kind of check and say, yeah, that's one that, that made it off that's, kilter a yeah, little bit. That's whatever. one that, that started, uh, yeah. say it, don't spray it. That's yeah. one that, right. that made it made me feel like, uh-oh. And then it's 14-7. Right. They couldn't stop him on the next drive. Yeah, it went right down the field. You're right, made it 14-7. That was it. Here's, here's, here's the, the play. play as you're watching it. Uh, I mean, definitely curious. You're backed up. You're on your own 34-yard line. You know, they're trying, what I think here, is in a Wink Martindale defense, they usually play a lot of man-to-man in these type of situations. And I think they were thinking, wait, they'll be aggressive, they'll see Justin Jefferson go, and it'll be man-to-man, and we're kind of a fast-flow defense, and they won't have anybody for man-to-man type coverage. But it wasn't. Two men there for Kirk Cousins. They played zone. It's like there wasn't a check with it, or they still went with it either way. But you're right, that was one of those little moments to go, okay, wait. There's an extra possession for the Giants, and the way the Vikings defense was playing there early on, yeah, it was a, it was a little concerning. I mean, you know, your, your Vikings defense we know wasn't good, but yesterday there was moments where you're like, man, the Giants look like they're one of the most explosive offenses in football here with the way they were moving up and down the field. From uh, bend but don't break to break but don't bend is yeah. what the Vikings defense was bit. yesterday. The other thing, too, I noticed on the first drive right away, they were coached to get to Justin Jefferson and be physical, physical right. with him. Right. and. You don't hear people talk about that anymore, but that's one of the realities. You know, it's been 10 years since the whole Greg Williams, right. the bounty, and Hit that audio that came right. out the night before the Saints played the 49ers, that kind of cartoonish over-the-top. But somebody got those guys fired up yeah, they made to, him a to, man. to make him pay, right. make him feel it 
every time he touches the ball. It's one of the things that they don't talk about anymore publicly. But you know privately it's still a physical, violent game. It's the way it is. And, if he, and we're not going to let this guy beat us. I can, I can hear it in yeah, my head. of course. We're not going to let him beat Every time he touches that ball, I want three bodies on him. I don't want to be watching He's this gotta film next us. week. He's got to feel us. He's got to feel our presence. He's got three bodies on exactly, that guy. Exactly, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's gonna, I'm sure that was the mantra to start the week. And it's like they were – that was almost the adjustment from the first matchup where they let Jefferson have a lot of catches, maybe not big explosive plays, but what, he had 12 for 133 the first yes. matchup? Hawkinson had similar stats to what he had in this matchup. It's where they – it's almost like the Giants said, all right, you know what? We won't worry as much about Hawkinson, but let's take away the Justin Jefferson part of the offense. And they did a good job of that. They found a way in the first matchup, and it seems like they did again in the second matchup to, you know – help their run defense and have people in there to slow down that aspect and have people at the line of scrimmage. And something we talked about a little bit about the years, the Vikings, great year. The offense is really good. But we talked about a little bit where, you know, their offense, I thought, like, simple enough at times to where a good defensive coordinator like Wink Martindale could play run defense and kind of figure out how to play the pass off of it a little bit. And I thought they did a good job. But but really, ultimately, Mike, I mean – a little bit of a microcosm of your year. You played a team, right, in the Giants who were almost as comfortable as you guys were in a one-score type of football game, right? One of those type of teams. And I, we got to give credit, you know, to Daniel Jones. That, that's, that, to me, was the, the marquee banner theme of the game. Is Daniel Jones, the guy who's been just under fire from the second he got drafted by the New York football giants, goes to a Yankee game, gets booed the first time. He's in town for like two weeks, all right? So what he did yesterday with his right arm, and I think even you were impressed. I mean, because Daniel Jones, the right arm, the accuracy, the decision-making is all good. But, Mike, he does the thing we talk about, and he's getting better at it, where when the play breaks down, he's become he's become dangerous, right? And I don't know if we really thought that was in him, but um, you know, got to give him credit for the way he played. That was a phenomenal first playoff appearance. I mean, it looks like a yeah. running back right? rush line here. 17 for 78. Usually with a quarterback, the, the yards are high, the carries are low. 17 for 78 looks like he was their number one running back, and he was their number one producer by way of attempts and by way of yardage. Uh, and, you know, some were designed, yeah. and some were just, hey, nobody's open, and I'm going to do this, yeah, run around right? the edge, and nobody can get me because nobody's there. And they didn't stay home enough. And now, look, yeah. there, there was a play where Eric Kendricks kind of got caught between, what do I do? Yeah, right. Like, do I wait for Jones? And the guy he was covering got more open. Exactly. So that's the they put him in a bind. conundrum you get into when yeah. you have a mobile quarterback. And I think... They knew this was coming. They had to know it was coming. It's Brian Dayball, the guy who had Josh Allen. Yeah. And what we, we always talk about, Josh Allen gets unleashed as a runner in the postseason. I'm surprised they didn't run him more from the standpoint of yardage. I'm surprised there wasn't more big opportunities. But right. It was more methodical, and it worked. And, yeah, between 300 passing yards, 78 rushing yards, he's the first quarterback ever. And sometimes these specific uh, statistics are yeah. way too – right. Nailed down. First guy to do that at 435 on a Sunday on the month of January. 70-plus rushing yards, 300-plus passing yards, two passing touchdowns, first time ever. And that is, you know, it's like hitting a slot machine, but still, that's impressive. Yeah, I don't care what day that is. For a guy who's working his way toward a new contract. And I still, I still, it was so weird that they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I'm sure in hindsight, if they'd known he was going to play like this, they would have. Right. Gives him a little more control and flexibility to, to negotiate a contract without that deadline coming up but I 
I think they've seen oh, enough. It's it's in the bag. It's coming. It's it's. I know enough people in this situation to know that I, I think the Daniel Jones contract it is inevitable. It's coming down the pipeline. You've heard me tell you that really for you know more than a week or so. Uh, and 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 I think you know with the fifth year option, hey. It all worked out for the best, I think, for him and for the organization and everybody. They had new coaching staff. He didn't want to be tied to that. He's got to do his own evaluation. Brian Dayball did that. And, hey, I mean, after Daniel Jones, Brian Dayball is the guy that deserves the most credit, but he deserves, of course, a ton of credit for what he's done to Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, I mean, our big knock was him. He was like the Statue of Liberty. He stands in the pocket too long, right? It's too many fumbles. And and Brian Dayball brought that part out of him. Like, hey, man, you 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 could play backyard football. Look at you. And that's, to me, one of the surprising things that you were bringing up there. You know, I thought the Giants would maybe dive into the quarterback design run even a little bit more than they did as well, right? You, 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 and they had a few plays, but I was shocked at some of the, you heard us talk in the game, the pass rush attack by the Vikings where they kind of just, they went after him. Like they didn't have any respect for the fact that he could scramble and make plays that way. And it it cost them in a number of big moments where he lost or got out of contain or found lanes because they rushed by him. And uh, he did a great job just throwing the football and running like he's done all year. But man, they're getting more explosive in the passing game, making making them more dangerous. There was one play in particular where the left end for the Vikings was working his way around the tackle and yeah Jones just went and the, and the guy he didn't even he had know no idea. He didn't right, even know he was right, gone right here's Brian Dable head coach of the Giants on the performance of Daniel Jones in his first playoff win also a playoff victory play good play good just good yeah play good winning football isn't good a good adjective to use good yeah I'm not a writer. I'm just a coach. So, um, look, Daniel's, I've said it all year. He's been good for us. He continues to be good for us, and he played a good game. Um, And I think there's a lot of other people that play good games, too, to help him play a good game. He'll be the first to admit it. But uh, as the leader of our football team, um, you know, I'm proud of him. Andy Bernard, food critic. This muffin tastes bad. <laughs> yeah. That painting is good. There he is. Uh-oh. There he is. Uh-oh. He's the got the G-Man. He's got the He's supposed to take the shirt off, though. Take the pads, the jersey, everything. Dive. You, you don't like it Kirk Cousins today, huh? You like it a Denny We'll talk about him in a minute. We'll talk about him in a minute. <laughs> I got to tell you a Dayball story. Dayball was PFT coach of the year. Yeah. And deserved it. Right. Because we didn't expect anything no. from this team. No. Got a patchwork of receivers, a bunch of no-names, guys that can't make it anywhere else. They end up, it's the, I said last week, it's the bizarro Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. If you can't make it anywhere else, you can make it here. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous what they've done. Isaiah Hodgins, who? Had 105 receiving yards. So, we started a tradition accidentally last year with our coach of the year. I told Mike Vrabel he was coach of the year, and he said, what do I get? I said it again, I said, I said, you get a canned ham. He said, well, I like honey baked. I thought, well, yeah, crap. So, I sent him one. Right. So, Dayball gets it. He looks like he likes Cunningham. Well, and I, I said, look, and I know he likes a nice cigar after yeah, the win. Yeah, so yeah. I said, I yeah. said, look, I'll, I'll let you choose. Do you want a ham? Right. We started this tradition last year. Do you want a ham 
or do you want cigars? He said, as enticing as the ham may be, yeah. I'll take the cigars. Right. So uh, yes. the box is already on the way. Good. I hope you got him a good brand and did no, it right. No, no, I got him El Producto. Well, I don't yeah, know. I got him, you know, they're wrapped I don't know. in plastic. You might have been mad at the guy. You <laughs> oh, might have no. been like, damn, I you beat sure. my Vikings. Here's some crappy gas you know, gas station cigars. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me be completely honest. No backwoods coming for Daniel Jones uh, uh, and, and no sponsorship for backwoods coming for PFT. But um, They could sponsor me. I made sure. Yeah, because you use the rappers. I made sure. <laughs> I know all about that. I made sure that I ordered them before the game started because uh, I figured you might go. I figured with- I might be tempted to go El Producto uh, or, or or the old exploded right. cigars from the cartoons. Right. I was. I would have been tempted to go in a different direction. So I said, "Let me just get, let me do my." gesture way to go way to self-scout thy asshole of thyself right there i mean to know that that might switch you yeah (laughs) that was amazing so he's got a nice box of cigars coming tomorrow yeah well he he's very much deserved. I mean, him or Shanahan, coach of the year for sure, right? I mean, it's one of those two. At least now, in Shanahan would have won it backwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might have <laughs> won it backwards. You're right, uh, but that—that's. Uh, oh, I mean, we're, we're kidding, Kyle. <laughs> Calm down. Brian Dayball is like what he's done is just uh, you can't say enough about it what he's the way he's I mean, coached this football team. You know the way he's handled the New York media, the way even right there. You know, handling the New York media, understanding that Daniel Jones is going to hear these clips later. Other guys are on the team. Like, yeah, good, good. Isn't a good adjective? I'm not a good writer. You know, it's a little bit of the the Belichick Parcells school of coaching there to me a little, except like in a jollier way of, yeah, he's going to recognize he played well, but he's not going to go over the top. He still wants the general to be the yep. general tomorrow and go, hey, we got a big game this week. So, yeah, he played good. He played good. But I think in his heart, he loves Daniel Jones, and uh, I, I don't know how he could. It's like all the things we said. I think they always loved everything about Daniel Jones. Now they're starting to love what he's doing on the football field, and this is the last piece of the puzzle, and it's exciting times for the Giants and Giants fans. And he's been there enough to know the reality of it. I was thinking about this on the way in today. Right. Losing in the wild card round for a fan and for a player. I remember Steve Young talking about this years ago. It hurts so much more the later the loss comes. So wild card round, okay. Divisional round, ugh. conference championship, oh, you got the Super Bowl right, right. in your grasp. They're ripping your heart right, out. Lose right. the Super Bowl, you're always identified as the runner-up. It, it, it's so uh, – and Dable's trying to keep me even killed. And, you know, who knows? Who knows what this team can do? It's one game at a time. I got the belief. doesn't That's matter. That's for sure. Dangerous to go for the Eagles on the road and face Philly, a team that knows them, a team that's not intimidated right. by them. Eagles haven't played a ton a whole lot lately. Yeah. You know, maybe catch them kind of sleeping and feeling themselves. We're the number one seed. We've seen this happen before, right, where the team like the Giants comes in and they kind of know that playoff intensity and the, the team that's had a little time off gets caught you know, off guard. We'll see. You know, we'll see. Again, the Eagles are a phenomenal football team. The Giants are a team that does believe they're coached well. They do the right things. They don't have the same talent as the Philadelphia Eagles. But as we've seen, you know, coaching the right game plan, quarterback plays that way. Defense makes a player too. Uh, we know in this league it's crazy, and just about anybody can stay close when, when you play it the right way. There's been a little bit of a wobble to the Eagles lately. There has been a little right. bit. They right. were dominant, yeah. almost wire to wire. Right. Jalen Hurts gets a shoulder injury. They lose to the Cowboys. Jalen comes back. They didn't look spectacular against a Giants team that was playing the JVs. So we'll see how healthy he is. That's the Saturday night game. 
And I was saying last night, we, we do the video in the third quarter. It just Anytime there's an NFC East playoff game, it takes me back to the early 70s, before you were even born. Yeah. It was always the big CBS late afternoon game. It was an NFC East game. They played it on that artificial turf. Right. Giants-Cowboys, right. Giants-Eagles, Washington. The Cardinals were in that yeah. division. Yes, kids. And they were on the AstroTurf, the too. And everybody was yeah. on AstroTurf, right. except for Washington. Washington, right. But uh, those were always just kind of that special vibe. Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire, it just takes me back to that. So that should be – it kind of lines up well, Eagles-Giants, especially if the Cowboys should win tonight. Right. Cowboys 49ers too. Oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, got four what a couple of NFC great powers NFC. Oh, there. yes, yeah, right, yes. Um, right. Okay, so the Vikings aren't in that group. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hit, hit, well, oh, okay, this was, we, we had heard it all year. <laughs> we had heard it all year. Kirk Cousins was different. Kirk O'Chains, whatever. Kirk Thuggins. Right. You know, he's got he's playing with more freedom. He's taking chances and I that okay, so they're driving down the field. Fast forward to the last drive of the game, because that's all it is for the Vikings. I, my son and I were texting back and forth all day yesterday, and I have to be careful because How's he doing, first off? He, I actually do care about yeah, him. Yeah, he, he's feelings, ha- he's so. having a rough time, but I think he's starting to come out of All right, good. But the problem is when I'm here in studio and we're getting the real time feed. He's watching on TV. He's behind. So I have to, like, wait 45 oh, seconds right. to react to yeah. anything. I usually wait for him to react. So, anyway. Um, oh, I, I told him these games are painful to watch. They have to be painful for you as just, like, because I'm working and I'm not, I'm not yes. as locked in as yeah. he is. Because you just want to fast forward to the end. Right. Like, I, all this other stuff is prologued to whatever happens in the last two minutes. We've seen that this year from the right. Vikings. Right. So, we'll fast forward to the end. They're driving down the field, 31-24. I really did think. They were going to score a touchdown, go for two, and get it. I really, I just believed that. I just I had a been doing it all year. Do it right. So they get to third and eight around midfield, and it's the throw to KJ Osborne, who I think is on his way to becoming the number two guy there, and Adam Thielen becoming number three. I would Adam agree Thielen with you there. It there. seems uh, that KJ way. Osborne is criminally underutilized because they're just there's only one football. Your, and there's too many great players. Here's the third. So down. Here's third and eight. Right. And, and look, this, this is a misfire by by Kirk Cousins. Get it out in front of him. Give him a chance to catch it with his hands. You know, you get into that body catch, and the and the guy's got his arm in there. You got to get it out in front of him a little bit more, right? Yes. No, yes. Okay. You would like in the perfect world. I, I I'm not gonna. I wouldn't. I don't no. think that's gonna get like a negative grade. Just so you know okay. that, right? But yeah, and, I hear and, you. And this is the fourth down play. I want to re rack that if yeah. we can because as, as they, I was watching it as they came out. Justin Jefferson's lined up there on the right side. I figured he's going to do what he did against the Buffalo Bills. Fourth and 18, came out of the huddle and said to Jefferson, I'm throwing it to you. Yes. Just throw it to him. It's Justin freaking Jefferson, Kurt. Yeah. You throw it to him on fourth and eight with your season on the line. I don't care if it's single high safety shading his way. I don't care if he's bracketed. I don't care if four Giants are covering him. You saw what he did in Buffalo. You give him a chance to extend the season. If he fails, so be it. But what the... Is this, you're throwing it five yards short of the sticks. And his explanation after the game, and we'll, we'll, we'll play it in a yeah, second. Yeah. This is where, okay, Daniel Jones, the clock in the head, right? He knows now to, to get rid of the ball. He's not getting the ball knocked out. For whatever reason, I think I think Kirk thought the walls were closing in when they really weren't. Yeah, and he didn't even try to extend it with his feet. Well, that's what you would like to see. I think to your point, and again, if we could play that play again, and here's a little bit what of the... What do you uh, do in these moments when right. the season is on the line? That's right. where you ultimately see what a guy's made of. I'm sorry. I know it's harsh, but this is the ultimate test. My, my thing, yeah, I mean, it looked like they doubled 
It looks like they double Jefferson. He did have a guy right? on his face, but he made no effort to extend. Well, I think that's the big. Pro- I think that's the problem. That's where I want to go. Now, I do think like KJ Osborne. As we look at this, he's going to look at that film and go, "Well, I wish I would have played KJ Osborne over the middle." And I think if he has time, he's going to get there because he's going to go to his right. He's going to look at the Hawkinson Jefferson combination. He's going to see Jefferson's double. Look at uh, Osborne at the top of the screen. See, he comes on the in cut right there. He is to me the guy that looks like open. I don't know. Again, I got to see the rest of the play in all twenty. But I think your point about up front and Dexter Lawrence, sexy Dexy, this this is where, you know, pressure in your face and messing up the internal clock of the quarterback becomes a real thing. Dexter Lawrence dominated the interior part of your offensive line last year. He he was lined up, right? Nose to nose. I I mean, mean, Garrett Bradbury knew what that guy ate four days ago. Right. (laughs) He He put everybody on skates. It was really. A phenomenal performance where I don't even know what his stat line is, but this is where F the play up stat needs to be thrown into it because he destroyed a bunch of plays for the Vikings yesterday. But I think that was the big issue too. He had had so many times of even earlier in that drive, right? He got the 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 nothing the passer call. Yep. And it was Dexter Lawrence. So I think there was a little bit of like, oh wait, I don't want to get sacked here yep. and go down like that. But I feel I hear you, and again, this is Kirk Cousins. He's a real good quarterback. He's had a phenomenal year. He did a lot of good things yesterday. But this is where you'd go. Oh, I'd love you know him to get out of the pocket here and just buy a little extra time to hey maybe throw a ball in the middle of the field, jump ball, whatever it is. That's not his game, and he made a conservative decision there, and it just it wasn't there. This is one of my big points, and I get dragged for it from time to time. And I really don't give a shit because it's true. I don't care what your stats are, week one to week eighteen. I care what you do in those moments that you fantasized about when you were a kid in your backyard. Seasons on the line. Championships in your grasp. Advancing to the next level is there for the taking. Do you make the big throw in the big spot? Do you make the big catch in the big spot? That's what you spent your whole life working toward. And those moments are few and far between. This Vikings team has been to the playoffs twice in five years with Kirk Cousins. He may never get back to the postseason again. I don't know. I don't know what next year is going to be. You think they're going to pull a horseshoe out of their butt every week next year and finish 13-4? and four? No, Hell no. I, I know. Next year it's going to be scratch and claw and barely make the playoffs if they're lucky. I can already feel it coming, and I'm conditioned by the past 30 years, but that's kind of the way it is. When you get those moments – You've got to go for it. It's got to be the Joe Burrow mindset. Joe Burrow's attitude is be arrogant in those settings. Yeah. And I didn't see the arrogance. I saw being careful. And you just can feel it come through the TV. He was being careful. Oh, I might get sacked. I better dump it off. Even if it's five yards short of the stick, maybe TJ will do something with it. Maybe he won't. It all happened so fast. Let's hear both from Coach uh, Kevin O'Connell and from Kirk Cousins about what they saw, what they thought, and how they explained that final play that resulted in the throw to T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, just a shell read there. Saw single high. Tried to work Justin. Didn't feel good about putting it up to Justin. And then when I went to progress, I just felt like I was about to get sacked. And I felt like I got to put the ball in play. And if I take, you know, I can't go down with a sack. So I just thought I'd kick it out to uh, T.J. And I had thrown short of the sticks on a few occasions in the game and even going back a few weeks and just felt like, you know, just throwing it short of the sticks isn't the end of the world. It's just, um, you know, it's obviously tight coverage, so didn't have the chance to uh, to pull away. But I just felt like I was going to go down and take a sack if I didn't put it out. I could have done a better job in the moment. Um, you know, he knew it was fourth down, and, and he just didn't want to, He wanted to make sure he put the ball in play. Um, I, I got to go back. I was watching some of the routes down the field to kind of 
materialize and, and the pocket may or may not have been collapsing on him and he just wanted to make sure he gave somebody a chance and, and they made a play. Um, had some double coverage to Justin on that drive and, and trying to have KJ come to life, trying to have Adam come to life. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, take a, we'll take a long, hard look at it. Our two-minute offense has been pretty darn good all season, uh, helping us. And, and in the end, we didn't get it done on that drive. And uh, it did feel rather abrupt, uh, kind of the way it happened. He sensed when you saw the K.J. Osborne. Right. Was pop. Was popping. He's going he's gonna to watch and go, okay, I understand why he got the ball out of his hand. He's going to watch it and be fair that way. You know, he's also going to go, ah, I, I wish he would have just – you know, sidestepped to the right, backpedaled a little bit, or you know, ste- you know, stepped up to the right, and and kind of made a throw and, and tried to buy himself just a little extra time. Sure, he's going to say that. Kirk Cousins is probably going to say the same thing. Ah, I wish I would have done that too. But it's hard in the moment sometimes, and when you're getting that pressure. And again, I understand Kirk Cousins maybe not a superstar. He's really damn good though, right, Mike? Let's not forget I, about that. He's good. He had a great year. He answered the bell in a lot of clutch I, I moments. Know, I know. I, I know. know. All I want to say before, because I, I understand the criticism. I get it. But at the same time, he's one of the least concerning things about your football team. I know. Well, the right? defense is complete and total crap. The defense is crap. I mean, Ed Don, right? you, they need, were you the ones yesterday saying, oh, God, Ed Donatel's going to get fired tomorrow. Well, I mean, the way it looked there for a while, I was just going, I mean, get, I mean, oh, my God, the Giants looked like they were the greatest show on turf. I mean, they were four-play, 80-yard drive, six-play, so. I mean, the Giants haven't done that to anybody all year. And then, like you said, it's it's receivers that we haven't heard about. And not only it was just the not only the way Daniel Jones played, but I think what was shocking is just some of the plays we were like, "Holy crap, the Giants are open!" Like, how is he that open? You know, and even on a crucial third down when we punted the ball back down to your Minnesota Vikings, right? It was a wide-open Darius Slayton on a third down that dropped the ball, right? So that was a concern. The run game was not there consistently for the Vikings. And I think, to your point, Justin Jefferson was only the only the real receiving threat there. I think they were kind of caught in wait. We're paying Thielen money, but he's not quite as good as Osborne, and it was a little stuck there too. To where again, I'm, all I'm saying is you can win with Kirk Cousins. They need to help him out a little bit, but he's not going to be to your point, Josh Allen, Burrow, one of the Mahomes, and go okay, I'll carry in this moment and make a magical play. And that was the point that GM Quasi Adolfo made back in training camp-ish time frame yeah. that created a lot of stir, but he's speaking the truth. We don't have Patrick Mahomes. We don't have Josh Allen. So how long do you cling to a guy that – and this was always my narrative about the Vikings during the latter years of Mike Zimmer, just good enough. We're content to be just good enough. I We're got content you. to be in the hunt. We're content to make it to the wild card round, maybe the division round. Ooh, maybe we can get knocked out in the round of eight. Like – When do you go all in? And I'm not suggesting all in like the Rams did, although it did work for them despite the rebuild that's coming on the back end. But that's the balance. And when do you move on from Kirk Cousins? And the narrative in Minnesota, there's going to be Vikings fans. I got a text from a guy I've known since I was a little kid. When does the Cousins nightmare end? That was the, you know, that was the question immediately after the game. And it, it, it's almost like that, that nightmare you have where everything's in slow motion and you feel like you've seen it all before and you know how it's going to end and, and, so, and we thought, you and I, that they were busting through that this yeah, year. We yeah. thought it was going to be different. When you start 
pulling out all these wild cards during the season, you figure in the playoffs it's going to continue. That's why I had kind of an inner calm all day yesterday that they just find a way. I was conditioned to yeah, think it. Right. And it, it was abrupt. Abrupt was a key word. It ended so abruptly. Yeah, I didn't expect that to like that. I thought it was going to be more nail-biting and, oh, my gosh, here they are in the 25-yard line with 18 seconds left. And I thought it was going to come down to that as well. It's, it's what you've done all year, even though I was loud and – you know, yes, you boisterous. Were. Yes, you were. I was not feeling confident. I was going, oh, my gosh, they have a shamrock up their butt. Something's going to happen bad here for, for my New York football giants. But they hung in there, and you know, they played better football yesterday. I think that's the, the bottom line. I think we both can agree with that. It was a good game. It was. But I think with the Giants, their defensive game plan, and then their offense, just Brian Dayball, Mike Kafka, you could see why he is being interviewed for head coaching positions because – what they've done and the game plan they formulated and the way they play, and they don't deviate from it. They just find a little wrinkle off of what they do, run the ball, quarterback runs, bootlegs, play action pass, and they tie it all together so well. And, uh, yeah, it was the, the Vikings were a good matchup for the Giants. That, it helped, sure. I think, the Giants yeah. to have just been there three weeks earlier. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it really did. You get a, get a little bit of a feel for the stadium. You're not intimidated the second time around. You go, wait, we played this team we, we, we are as good as them if we don't make the mistakes we made the first time around, right? At least that's what you're telling yourself, whether that's true or not. And, uh, yeah, they were they did not seem phased by the environment no, yesterday. To not your at point. all. Right. Not at all. Right. And, and, you know, there was something that I saw from Saquon Barkley after he scored the touchdown that tied the game on December 24 that was just kind of like he knows that they can beat this team. Yeah, they seem He confident. knows that they can do it. Right. And I was surprised ultimately they didn't do it. On December 24, I'm sure the Giants are happy to take that trade. We'll take the loss on December 24. We'll take the win on January 15. And now they advance to face the Eagles. And, hey, they, they, they know the Eagles well. They're not going to be intimidated. That is going to be a hell of a game. Hell of a Saturday game. Night. Yeah, we got, we got, we got really, a, I mean, you know, Jacksonville is the team that everyone's going to question here in the final eight. But I think as we've kind of talked about all year, we, we've seen Jacksonville has big-time talent the way they played there. But we're going to have a great divisional weekend, that's for sure. You know, I, I, the NFC matchups, it looks like they're going to be intriguing. The AFC should be really good. And we got some stars and got it all going. And, and wait, you know the thing I noticed on the graphics here? We getting back to like they're starting to decorate the logos a little bit better, or am I off a little here? Well, the what Super they're Bowl? doing, that's right. They've got the 57, and it's, it's not that. It's Just not silver, that, that Super Bowl sanitized. Trophy. We don't have to pay somebody a million dollars every year to come up with a good logo. Why are we wasting that money? There is a little bit more color that's right. been infused in yeah. it. But I think we've seen that in recent years. I, I think we the have. past four right. or five years, right. they've gotten away from everything silver with the outline of the stadium in the background. It was too corporate. It was too... Somebody somebody woke up at 345 and realized this, yeah, this can't good. It's a better look. Um, and by the way, Jaguars Chiefs, we will, we will actually we'll be, there. be there. Yeah. Will you be standing in your spot? I hope I see that ref right in the safe spot. Meet me there, ref. <laughs> Just make sure you're wearing your bronze and not hey. your dress shirt. Oh, here oh, it wow, is. Look at this. Look at on right cue. Right on cue. There, there it is. is. Get out of the way, you big-headed goon. Oh, my gosh. Give him a push. Hey, get out of the way, you moron. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he, he said more than moron. I can tell you that much. Um, yeah, that was not one of my fighter moments You're, right you're there. flat-footed, too. This, guy's, this guy, he can, he's got some strength. Oh, yeah, and he gave me, the, he gave me a little the extra two-handed shove. Right. I'm surprised you didn't end up on your – he's a big, burly guy. He was a big, burly so guy. So that was uh, Andrew Luck's last game. Four yes. years ago in the divisional round, snowed like crazy in Kansas City. Right. Snowed on us nonstop. Look at all the snow in the background. Yep. Nonstop snow on us during pre -game the pregame show. Yeah. 
I'll be there for the full hour and a half pregame show on uh, Saturday. It'll be awesome. Coming out of the cave again. This Good. it'll be three straight weeks. I love it. Of me leaving home. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Look, my wife is starting out of the show. Well, yeah, she's happy. She's like, I like this crap going on all the time. NBC. Um. <laughs> Bengals Bills felt like a game that had to happen. We almost didn't get Bengals Bills because the Ravens somebody didn't tell them. The Ravens showed up right. last night. Not not quite enough, but we'll break down what happened and we'll try to figure out what happens next for the Ravens now that their season is over. We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of PFT. Around any corner, within every battle. And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Can Tyler Huntley do it? Four-man rush, retreating, puts it up for grabs, and it is! Deflected and Crochet almost had it! He couldn't bring it in! And the Bengals survive! Wow! Oh, we're back. We're back. There it is. I... I'm getting no audio. Yeah. I thought they were getting ready All for the next right. segment. I didn't that. I'm glad I didn't say what I was thinking of. I was getting ready to take a swig of Coke Zero. I almost said something that I probably shouldn't have said into a hot mic. So, hello, we are back. And that was the final play. I wonder why Chris was commenting on it. Okay, sometimes we play like what we're going to show. Right, during the break. We're back, right. and that's what I thought it was because all of a sudden I hear nothing. I hear more when I'm in. Go figure. No, it my is audio weird. is better when I'm in West Virginia. We're not Virginia getting return in our ear. Like, I don't hear you in my ear. Like, okay, not well, that, that I need to. It. We're a few yeah. feet from each other. I haven't hit you yet. Uh, hey, yeah, and. Good morning. Uh, Oh, and by the way, I've already gotten emails. What's right. Chris doing here on a Monday? Well, <laughs> the regular season's over. There's no Peacock postgame show, so right. he's back to working Mondays. So I'm stuck with him on Mondays indefinitely. Not Fridays, though, but Mondays. <laughs> he's back to four days a week. I hope you can handle it. I can handle it. I'm, it's great. I'm, I love Monday. I mean, I love Monday. You know that. I did not want to miss the Monday show, but I can't go you know, to bed at 2.30 in the morning and then wake up at 5.30 and do that. So it is good to be here, and I'll be back on all Mondays and – this was the perfect Monday to be back for. We've already talked about the Vikings Monday. 
Giants game. We're not talking about it again. Let's so that go back. part's over. I've gotten through that, and it was okay. Thank you for being Thank you. much more professional today than you were for three and a half hours yesterday. All right. And it wasn't even three and a half hours. That's what's so weird. The Bills-Dolphins game took forever. Right. And then Giants the Vikings-Giants game was like, like oh, boom, let's boom, speed boom, this boom. thing up. Yeah, yeah, right. we, don't want the data. we don't want the data to end at 1 a.m. if we keep delaying these kickoffs. Yeah. So uh, Ravens-Bengals, 24-17, you saw – I didn't hear. You hopefully heard, but uh, you saw the final play there where the Ravens almost, almost, and I, who knows what they would have done. Would they have gone for two? And that's one of those spots where maybe you go for maybe. two and get out of town, you know, take the win and uh, not have to deal with overtime in a hostile environment. Boy, he almost falls down there. Weren't we supposed to be Anthony Brown at some point last night? Well, that, remember there they, was they talk of it, yeah. the idea that they were going to play both guys? I don't know if they didn't feel comfortable with Tyler Huntley and the shoulder issue he's been having or whatever, but... No, I mean, obviously, I think if they have their option, they're going with, with you know, Tyler Huntley. He's one of the better backup quarterbacks in all of football. Uh, I mean, this play was close. I mean, gosh, wow. I mean, it's it's almost two hands on the football there. Uh, but, you know, tough AFC North football game. And let's be serious, Mike. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens outplayed the Cincinnati Bengals. Plain and simple. I mean, plain and simple. You know, I know we'll hit on the Bengals, and they won, and they're dangerous and all that here. But... I mean, mad respect for what the Ravens did without Lamar Jackson. Two weeks in a row going there into Cincinnati. And the way they played, I mean, again, you know, I don't want to boil it down to one or two plays, but this was one where the game plan was phenomenal. They patient with the run. I I don't know if there's really another team that can be patient and still run the ball the way they did on the Bengals. The Bengals are really good at stopping the run. But then a few great curveballs or game plan design throws that Greg Roman dialed up to just, you know, get some life or juice into the passing game. That was phenomenal. The defense early on, you know, okay, they went on a few drives, the Bengals offense, and they hung in there and made life hard. I mean, really, when you think about it, the game came down to the subject that's probably going to dominate a little bit here uh, throughout the offseason. A little bit. A little bit, a right? Little bit. I mean, yes, Tyler Hundley's a good backup. He's not Lamar Jackson. It's hard to think, yes, if Lamar Jackson was out there last night close to 100%, you'd go, well, they probably would have won the football game because Tyler Hundley's interception right in the first quarter that led to a touchdown by the Bengals, and then, of course, the 14-point swing of the diving over the goal line, returning for a touchdown was – Probably the play of the weekend. Was there one play that swung it's a the game? Fourteen right? point swing. I mean, they're about to take the lead right. in Cincinnati, and you feel that the pressure just a on couple more inches. Oh my right. goodness! Well, you know, and the whole idea is that hope that Bengals Bills rematch hovering over them. Everything that happened just fourteen days ago. Can't believe right. it's only been fourteen days since the Demar Hamlin cardiac arrest on field in Cincinnati, and. Yeah, just a lot coming together. It's a team that knows you well. It's an opportunity to maybe catch the Bengals flat-footed. And you've got Tyler Huntley going up and over, and the ball pops out, and Sam Humber goes the other way. Here it is. Making the jump. There's the ball. And it just happens so fast. And there's Sam Hubbard. Now, now. Would one of the guys turn around and block him? Was that a bloody? That's really close. It's really close. I remember doing the thing with the – Patriots and the Jets? Yes. Right. And they had the breakdown, and they were very adamant that 
the, the block originates from the side or something like that. Look, that was a block in the back. I thought the flag was coming out. I thought the flag was definitely coming out. And that, you know, that kills the touchdown and it puts the ball 10 yards back. That's a good call. It's because all you have to do is kiss the front of the goal line. It's not even close he did to not getting to the front it. of the That's goal right. line. We yes. had the cameras right down the line. Yep. Perfect. As fair as it could be. But, but I think it was an uncalled block in the back right there. That's a push in the back and knocks him down. And anytime you see the guy throw his hands yeah, up, he you knows know, it's questionable. You know he got, a, got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Right. So, uh, and who knows what would have happened. They still may have scored a touchdown, but who knows. That touchdown should have come off the board. I hate the rain on the Bengals parade, but that touchdown should have come off the board. Yeah, well, it more is just like, what the hell would the Bengals guys do? They're running down the field looking around like it's a parade. Like, it's a football game. Guys are chasing the guy with the ball. you got to turn around. That was shocking. But Yeah, I mean, there's, even play, though you can't whoa. hit a guy below the waist, you can just get in his way. You can do anything. You can right. run in front of him, exactly. cut him off that way. They're That's oblivious. the most effective block. You literally block his path to the runner if you just get in front of him as he's trying to get uh, to, to Sam Hubbard. But that, that was something. That was one of those moments where – the whole thing changes. The whole momentum yeah. changes. You kind of felt like, man, the Ravens might do this, right? Might pull off the upset. It kind of felt like they had the momentum. And then you went literally just like that. You went, can the Ravens really recover from that? Like, can they recover from that kind of pendulum swing to where, oh, my gosh, like you said, 14-point swing and a big crucial mo- moment of the game. To their credit, they almost did. I know. I mean, they still drove down. And there were some clock management issues at the end. And just kind of it got kind of weird the way it sputtered to a conclusion and then they have that opportunity to yeah. catch it in the end zone which would have changed everything but they I'm just surprised they were even in the position to try to recover after that because that's one of those rip your heart out and show exactly. it to you moments yeah. and I, I got a lot of respect for what the Ravens did offensively J.K. Dobbins their top running back after the game wasn't happy about the Tyler Huntley fumble he said I didn't get a single carry he should have never been in that situation. I believe I would have put it in the end zone again. I should be the guy. I'm tired of holding that back. I'm tired of that. 13 carries, it's a playoffs. I'm tired of holding that back. Let's go win the game. I'm tired of that. If we had Lamar, we would have won too. Kind of threw that on at the end. Yeah. We'll talk more about the Lamar Jackson angle. But J.K. Dobbins not happy with play calling. Fire Harbaugh was trending after the game. No. Fire Greg Roman is what Ravens like, fans well, want. Why? Like, what, I, what, are we, what are we talking about here? I mean, they overachieved right. under, under uh, circumstances where everything was stacked against them, right. and they still almost won the game. Still won the game. And, I mean, again, I mean, yeah, the quarterback sneak. This is a team that controlled the line of scrimmage all night. They're going, wait, we're big. We're the biggest offensive line in football, arguably. We're just going to mash them forward and dive over the pile. The idea wasn't wrong. It might have been a little far to do that, you know. Am I not right that on the first down was the throw to Patrick Ricard, right, where I think he was open, if I'm remembering the right way, and and Huntley kind of missed the throw. Uh, Second down was Gus Edwards up the middle. Gus is the power back. You know, I hear J.K. Dobbins and his complaint. I understand that. You know, and they were running the ball effectively all night with the running back. But I don't look at that and go, oh, man, what a stupid play. I look at it more as, hey, maybe a little long to go there, but still I don't think I have an issue with that. The The big thing is, and guys, if we can show that play one more time, uh, the defensive tackles for the Bengals do a phenomenal job. I mean, they stood up the three interior offensive linemen for the Baltimore Ravens to where he couldn't get any room to go you know, he went up, but he couldn't get across. He just kept going up because of there was nowhere to go for his lower half of the body because of what DJ Reader and company did to kind of stuff the line of scrimmage there. Then Jermaine Pratt did a good job of hitting him as he was extended and trying to extend the football, right? And then you heard 
You know, with the jump, too, what made it weird is the guys were hitting him in the back like Chris Collinsworth was talking about to where usually you don't see that when you jump. You usually yeah. see that in the quarterback sneak, yep. right? Uh, but, uh, again, I Mike, I don't know. Again, correct me if you have a different thought here, but I don't have any problem with that play call. I wouldn't be going, oh, man, what what is John Harbaugh and Greg Roman thinking? That's insane call there. I, I, I understand the thought completely. Yeah, no, it's just frustration because it yeah. didn't work. I J.K. Know. Dobbins has supreme confidence in himself, and yep. he's thinking if That's you had right. given me the ball, I would have gotten it in, and it wouldn't have been this weird thing. And it is strange to see the push, which has become very popular. Yes. Very popular. It's kind of like early in the year – Teams were doing it, and people realized they did change the rule book a few years ago. You can't pull, but you can push. Right. And now they do this design play where behind the quarterback, somebody pushes him into the end zone, and uh, it works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. Last night it didn't. Here's Sam Hubbard and Bengals coach Zach Taylor talking about that 14-point swing on the 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown. No, nah, you can't. You can't even dream that one up. Uh, it's pretty special, but uh, you know, I was just glad to see the looks on my teammates' faces because that was a battle. It was a tough-fought game, uh, a lot of adversity, very physical, and to make the play and be the guy to come through is an amazing feeling, uh, not only for my teammates but for the fans as well. <laughs> yeah, I was watching on the big screen. I was like. <laughs> He's coming. Somebody block him. Like, please, please don't get caught. That's all I was thinking about. No Zach Taylor there, just Sam Hubbard. And guys use that big screen all the time to navigate traffic and see who is or isn't behind them. And that really was something. And uh, fourth longest defensive touchdown return in playoff history, tied for fourth longest with 98 yards. Usually you don't see a big guy like that make it the whole way no usually I mean, usually he peters out or somebody somebody tracks him down right. and gets him on the ground it was impressive by mark andrews i mean the way he kind of took off and kind of exploded into the into the shot there dk metcalf the style right i mean he was going he really was but uh, i uh, yeah that hey ravens way to go phenomenal job hanging in there with like you said the deck was stacked against them the Bengals, tough gritty win sure that's a game they're going to watch the film of today and go, man, we didn't play very good, and if we don't play better next week, we're going to be home. Like that, that, that's the big thing. And I think there's some concerns with the Bengals. I guess the, the big What's your thing. biggest concern? Well, I think the right side of the, the offensive line, as we're seeing, has become an and issue Jonah now. Williams and now Jonah Williams. So they, got th- they went 15 weeks with the same starting offensive yeah. line, and now here we are with three different pieces in the most crucial part of the year, and that is concerning. And we saw, I mean, Burrow's inability to hold the ball for them to let plays, de- you know, develop down the field, that's an issue for them. And uh, it, it's a little concerning. I mean, last night alone, I mean, that was Tyler Hundley and the Ravens. They, out, they outgained the Bengals by 130 yards, right? They, the Ravens were only 3 for 11 on third down. You know, what, you know what those stats tell me? That they dominated first and second down. That it was first down, and then it was first down again. And then it was first down, and then it was second and two, and then it was first down again. I mean, that's how that, that game played out. And there's the Bengals, who were 7 for 13 on third downs with 234 yards, and they're dinking and dunking, and they can't protect. They couldn't run the football at all. I, that, that worries me a little bit with their, their a team that I thought was the most well-rounded maybe in the AFC. I don't know if I feel the same with some of the offensive line injuries right now. Here's what jumps out to me. Leading rusher for the Bengals, Joe Mixon with 39 yards. Gus Edwards had 39 for the 
Ravens, and he was third on the team. Exactly. Tyler That's Huntley a had 54, scary. and J.K. Dobbins had right. 62. Right. So, yeah, when you can run the ball like that, I mean, what do we talk about all the time? Play defense and run the ball. That's how you win games in the postseason. Not that the Ravens won, but they made it a lot closer than it should have been because they were able to effectively run. They were opportunistic, yep. and they never got themselves in a position where they felt like they were ready to give up. It's just not our night. We're just going to concede. This Bengals-Bills game is written in the stars. It has to happen. No, we're going to disrupt it if we can. We'll go to Kansas City. We'll take our chances with Patrick Mahomes. We don't care. Jordan uh, or Jonah Williams, excuse me, was walking in the locker room with one crutch and a soft knee brace after the game last night, according to Kelsey Conway, the Cincinnati Inquirer. So uh, Jonah Williams, Lael Collins is already gone for the season. Alex Kappa missed the game with an injury. Yeah. They may be down 60% of their starting offensive line when that game rolls around Sunday afternoon in Buffalo. That is something to keep an eye on. Now, the Lamar Jackson angle, let's let's go there because that. that's going to hover over the league the entire offseason. It's gotten weird over the course of the past week. Talked about it last night on the pregame show right. before the Ravens-Bengals game. Everything kind of came to a head. You, you you were getting gurgling out of the organization. There was frustration that he wasn't playing. There was a sense it was contract-related. He posts that long tweet going into detail about his injury. Right. I can't the imagine team, the team loved the that. The team was surprised by yeah, it. Right. There's a sense of exasperation. All options are on the table for next year. I don't think on a long-term deal they're going to have as much on the table as they had on the table in August. Wow. Which – which will make it far less likely that he would take it. I think at some point he's got to have a vehicle to see what else is out there, whether it's the non-exclusive franchise tag or even the transition tag, which they could use, where there's no compensation to the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson gets to find out whether or not somebody else would give him a five-year fully guaranteed contract. I think there's a belief in Baltimore that no one else would do it at this point, that the Browns were the only ones who were ever going to do it. The Browns have done it, and given the blowback, nobody else is touching it. Collusion or not, nobody else is going to do it. Right. But we're going to find out. So with all that said, and to kind of balance out some of the noise that's come out of the locker room, Sammy Watkins and some other reports and suggestions that there was a push for Lamar Jackson to play, here's Marlon Humphrey Ravens starting cornerback after the game last night talking about Lamar Jackson's health. With Lamar being out, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's a great quarterback, but, you know, uh, a 50, 60 percent Lamar Jackson, I just don't think he really was healthy enough to really go out there. I think you know, he kind of made that clear with the tweet he said. You know, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of speculation with him not having a contract, this, that, and the third. But, you know, I mean, I don't even know if I say this, but he's like limping around the facility. That's kind of the crazy thing that people don't see, obviously. So, obviously, we knew he wasn't going to be able to be out there with us. But um, hopefully, we, we sign him to a big-term deal, and he's, you know, he's a Raven with me forever. I don't know if I should say this. When I saw that he said that, it tells me he senses that that kind of candor and honesty is cutting against the grain in some way. It's pushing against whatever he should be doing. Right. And, I mean, if he's telling the truth, he's telling the truth. Why should anybody be upset with him? And right. it's one thing to say we just don't want anybody ever talking about well, anyone's injury. I think that's a little bit yeah, of that. I right, know, but right. but it just it creates yeah. an even yeah. greater sense of something is wrong here because I think the belief is within the organization, PCL injury that has had five, six weeks to heal, he can't make it any worse. Right. It's not like the ACL where it can go; it, it, it heals on its own. Yeah. It's a, it's 
typically from a hyperextension, you could put a brace on it. You know, that was the comment Mike Vick had over the weekend. Right. Put a brace on it and right. go. I played with a sprained MCL for a full season. So it, it's just in a very weird posture right now. And I think that Lamar Jackson, his instincts probably are telling him somebody's pushing something here. Yeah. Somebody's pushing this narrative that I should have played. And, I, hey, if he'd have had his long-term deal – I think he would have played, right? And I don't blame him for not playing without a long-term deal. The problem is he should have a long-term deal. Yeah. And it's partially on him that he doesn't have a long-term deal because if he had an agent, yeah, it's been hard to work out the details. Deal. And this is the point I want to make right now. Yeah. If Lamar Jackson had an agent right now, see, folks like Richard Sherman think that all the agent does is show up, exchange some numbers, and take 3% of $100 million. Easy, easy job, right? All I got to do is send a few emails and yada, yada, yada. I get 3% of this gigantic windfall. And I just sit back and the checks come in. Right. Here's what an agent, a good agent. I know there are bad agents, but there are plenty of good ones. And it's not hard to put together a list of the good, reputable, successful, and effective quarterback specialist agents. There's five, six of them that come to mind immediately. I'm not going to start naming names because then the other ones will be pissed at me. So, so, as usual. So. If he hadn't had an agent this past week, once all this stuff starts bubbling up, the got agent the goes out. into hyperdrive. Yeah. The agent starts calling media. The agent starts calling John Harbaugh. The agent calls Eric DaCosta. If he has to, the agent calls Steve Bishotti. Right. Tell your guys, whoever it is that's talking, shut the hell up. Yeah. Or you're going to blow this. You're going to blow this. Hey, Steve, you know what's going to happen here? You're going to blow this. And then when Mike Vick goes on TV and says put a brace on it, you know what he does? The good agent gets in touch with Fox. Get me Mike Vick on the phone. I want to talk to Mike Vick about the situation here, about right. putting a brace on it. He needs to know the story and is relentless. I mean, there are agents out there who, when stuff like this is going on in the media, they are relentless and they are not making an extra penny for it. They are protecting their guy. That's what a good agent would be doing for Lamar Jackson now. And I say that, and I understand, Roquan Smith, great job. Negotiated a great contract on his own. But if he ever gets in a situation like this, he's on his own. There's nobody who's going to help him. There's nobody who's going to reach out to media who may already have people on to pick up the phone. Here we go. Let's call this guy. Let's call this guy. Let's call this guy. I, know, I got this phone. I got this. I know this person. I know this person. And I can put this fire out. Somebody needed to put this fire out on behalf of Lamar Jackson last week. And it would have been good for the Ravens, too, because it may be at the point now, Chris, where you can't fix it. It may be unfixable after everything that's gone on. There, there's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here with this subject. There really is. And it, it's hard to speak of it. I mean, again, we haven't seen Lamar and what his status is. But I know I told you a few weeks ago, right? And, and I'd been told right around that week 15 part that yeah, there, was, there was week 15 or maybe going into week 16, right? You know, I had heard that his knee was still incredibly swollen, you know, and that you know, they, didn't, you know, they didn't know when this was going to you know, turn for the better, and he was able to get on the practice field. So there's been the doubt there, you know. But obviously, you know, it seems like there were some guys in the locker room there that felt like, hey, like you were trying to make the point, you could put a knee brace on and play and not be 100% and or still just play. Try. Just or just try. Just try, right. And I think there's, you know, I think that's where Michael Vick, I think there's some thoughts out there, and that's maybe filtered out of the Baltimore facility for sure. But, yes, it's gotten weird. And I don't think this whole thing is – you know, I know there's some people that go, well, this is going to help Lamar's leverage. Look, their offense wasn't very good down the stretch, and they didn't. Uh, yes, I get that, but I, I don't think this does ultimately help his leverage, really. 
the way it looks, and you know, you can keep Tyler Huntley for a lot less. Well, exactly. Well, there, there's 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 just other options out there, and of course, there's concern with Lamar Jackson because he is so reliant on the legs. And here we are, two years in a row where he can't play the month of December, and we all have noticed at least a little bit of a drop in his overall explosion and speed. Right, he's no longer like the most explosive quarterback in football. That Justin Fields gets that title there. And, yeah, the contract situation, the, it sounds like Baltimore's exhausted as far as trying to figure this out, plan for the future of their football team to where it seems like it's weird. And, I, you know, the more we go here down this road, I'm starting to think that he maybe he's not going to be with the Baltimore yeah, Ravens next year. I, and it doesn't see, seem like it. And, and here's the bottom line. And, again, this is why it's important to have a good agent. You want the Deshaun Watson contract. You don't get the Deshaun Watson contract unless you say to the Ravens, I'm never playing for you again. And you hope that means they make you available via trade. Now, if they use the non-exclusive franchise tag, you're necessarily available for trade, sort of, because you're allowed to talk to other teams. You get an idea of what they would pay. And there may be a team that says, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll engage the Ravens and try to work something out. And if all else fails, we'll, we're willing to give up two first-round picks. I don't know that there's a team out there that's willing to give him huge money and give up two first-round picks at this right. point. But, you know, the Browns gave Deshaun Watson five years fully guaranteed and gave up multiple first-round picks to get him. Yeah. So all it takes is one team. That's right. But it also takes an agent to shepherd the client through this minefield because I look at it this way. If Lamar Jackson has the ability to go out there and negotiate a deal with some other team, you still have to negotiate with these other teams. Right. You have to orchestrate. You have right. to bring them to the table. You have to know – when the right time is to say no. You know, they slammed the door in the Browns' face at the perfect time that Sean Watson's people did because that caused the Browns to loop back around right, and offer go, five years more fully guaranteed. Right. right. And and so good agents earn their money, not just when it's time to negotiate the contract, when it's time to build the leverage, expand the options, deal with the media, put out the fires. There's so much more that they do. And this isn't a pro-agent take. It's trying to get people to understand the truth because – the folks out there who are anti-agent just think, oh, this is an easy way to save 3%. It's like not paying your taxes. Like, I don't want to pay this 3%. Yeah. I don't want to have to write this check every year to my agent because what's my agent do? This is an example of what a good agent can do behind the scenes to help protect the client. And Lamar Jackson desperately has needed someone to protect his interests this week. And, uh, and I think it has gotten to the point where – He's going to have an opportunity to see what else is out there, and it could fall together in a way where he's gone. Now, you know, every once in a while the past few years it's bubbled up that maybe John Harbaugh won't be back. And I, I've just said generally, after Sean Payton last last year, you get a guy that's been in the same place 15 years coaching a team, all that stress, yeah. Yeah. all that just it's just up and down and year in and year out. You just get to a point where they need a fresh start and you need a fresh start. Right. And I just – I. I I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on John Harbaugh now. I have no reason, right. no reason whatsoever. And you're think. not saying like, like the Ravens are going to no, win. No, no, I'm this just is thinking he, he just possibly like, hey, just, I've had, not had, I'm getting and, too old for this shit. You know, that, just right. that, you know, I need a change. He was definitely a little chippy with our. Well, that's um, what made me think of well, it. As a star he class, was, right? you know, because yeah. here, you know, John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh are exactly alike as it relates to their intensity. But John Harbaugh typically is good at keeping it under wraps. Yeah. Last night he got. Do we have that? He got. He got. Do we have it here? Here, let's here, judge for yourself. Here's chippy. John Harbaugh being interviewed after the first quarter in a game that wasn't going all that poorly. Here he is with Melissa Stark. 
John, you told us your guys were going to be disciplined. What did you think about that last penalty? Well, I didn't like the last penalty. And so what will you tell your guys defensively? Uh, we'll be fine. Our guys will be fine. It's going to be a hard-fought game out here. We're, we're going to play a good game. And Tyler Huntley with that interception, you said we might see Anthony Brown. What will that take? We'll just see how the game goes, okay? Thanks. Thanks, John. All right, Melissa, thank you. John Harbaugh trying to win a road playoff game again. He's won eight. Next one would be an extension of his NFL road record. <laughs> John was trying to keep that smile going, wasn't he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> Melissa struck a couple of nerves down there. He had the politician smile going, that's yeah. for sure. The smile went away when he thought he was off camera. Right. And um, looked like he was going to say something else, woo! too, as he was walking away. And those are fair questions. Legitimately fair questions. They're the ones that released the information about Anthony yeah, Brown and Tyler yeah, Huntley. I mean, yeah, I we may see, we may see Tyler Huntley. Right. We're going to see him. You got to just throw it in you? How dare yeah. you ask me a question that I told you you might see? Yeah. You know? We'll see, okay? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, okay? Yeah. Um, I, I Look, I, I understand it's an intense job. I understand it's highly competitive. But and, and, and John Harbaugh can be a very engaging, charming guy, but – you know, kick the plug out of the wall during halftime of the Super Bowl and the lights go out. And, uh, you know, that intensity that Jim has comes out. John usually keeps it under that politician smile, but he's as intense as Jim. And you just have to wonder, with all this stuff that's gone on with Lamar this year, you know, I think as a coach, you take a step back and say, can I relate to these guys? What's going on here? I just can't take this constant stress. I don't want to deal with this offseason of – are we going to keep Lamar? Are we not going to keep Lamar? Let somebody else deal with it. I'll take a year off like Sean Payton, and I'll come back next year and pick my next spot. Why not? He's, I mean, he's worthy of that. He's one of the best coaches in football. Again, I can't, I can't stress to the, how I thought that was how impressive that was last night. What a great defensive game plan. I mean, Burrow and company, after those first two drives, really, I know we had the one right in the, was that the third quarter. I mean, they were flummoxed for the most part. I mean, they couldn't protect. They couldn't run the ball, like you said earlier. You know, it looked like they were all over some of the stuff down the field. Uh, just, uh, it just, they, they double moved, touchdown, down 17-10. The Ravens answered right back. They did everything right. Yeah, they had a backup quarterback who threw a bad interception and fumbled on the one-yard line. And when you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're playing a game to basically – you know, with with no Lamar Jackson, every game they were kind of playing to win 17-13, 20-17. Those are huge, you know, tide-turning type of moments. But, you know, again, they rallied and weathered the storm without Lamar here in December. I mean, last year they went in December with a great record, right? And Lamar got hurt and it all kind of fell apart. Uh, and they missed out on the playoffs just barely. John Harbaugh is a phenomenal football coach. And, and like I said, they outplayed the Bengals last night. The Bengals were very fortunate to win that football game. And uh, I'm a little concerned about the Bengals this week going into Buffalo. Well, I'm concerned a little bit about the Buffalo Bills, too, after what well, we saw yesterday. I think that. maybe both teams were a little flat, a little thinking ahead right. to what, We're gonna win. what is coming. Right. It still worked out. Right. But the Bills had a close call with the Miami Dolphins. We'll break that down when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.